Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. This is season two, episode 175. Uh, today, we're going to be doing a couple uh, questions that were sent to me uh, over uh, an audio uh, message. So let's get this. Let's get to listen to see what the first one is here. Mike, this is Terry from SavageWatch.com. Um, this question is in regards to non-police officers, bloggers, uh, true crime writers, uh, people that own websites, and it's in regards to uh, their claims that they've actually solved crimes. You and I both talked about the Paul Sweetman homicide, and I had showed, told you that some of his unidentified remains, which back then was unidentified, I believed to be or part of him, that by looking at the NAMA's database there, that there were a lot of similarities. And I showed you emails that I had sent, I had sent an officer in one of the various police departments that was largely, and nothing was done with it, and how I had told another police department um, that had found, that had the person missing there, that I thought it was a possibility that that was uh, that that was Paul Sweetman. We both agree that technically I did not solve a crime. You know, I gave a tip. Can you explain the difference between solving a crime and giving a tip? Because as we both know, there's quite a few true crime authors, in particular one from Connecticut who used to have a TV show that has claimed that they have solved crimes. Well, to answer that question, Terry, um, to solve a crime, the basic definition, I would say, is that is a collaboration of evidence which links one or more individuals to a particular crime, uh, regardless of what the crime is. Uh, the average person that calls in a tip or maybe finds evidence uh, is not solving the crime per se as, from an investigative point of view, but they are adding additional information um, which links a su one or more suspects to a case. Um, the case with Paul Sweetman was kind of an interesting case because, uh, you know, I had written a book uh, involving that whole thing, um, the uh, Connecticut cult, the Broken Cross. Um, the Sweetman case, there were there were a lot of problems with the Sweetman case. Uh, first of all, the initial complaint um, had not been entered into the uh, the name of database. Um, so to the rest of the world, uh, Paul Sweetman was not missing. And what had happened was one of the suspects, the known suspects in the case, Rudy Hannon, now deceased, also the son of um, Julius Schachnow, or brother Julius, uh, the cult leader of the, uh, the cult, uh, 
named The Work, um, had been in prison out of state for several years, and he had made a deal under the proffer, profit doctrine that um, that the information he gave about the Paul Sweetman homicide couldn't be used against him by the government. So the government failed to forward the information to the Connecticut State Police uh, or the New Britain Police Department in a timely manner, like about a 16-year timely manner. Uh, <clears throat> and unfortunately, the, um, the, the female cult member who had set up uh, the homicide uh, had passed away within four or five years. If the information had uh, gone directly to either Connecticut State Police or New Britain, and <clears throat> the testimony of the two uh, suspects were given, the uh, the suspects would have been uh, arrested. But to date, they weren't. One is deceased, and the other one is still running around the, the somewhere. The interesting thing about that is, if you remember, I had uh, gone on to uh, uh, the Chaz and AJ uh, 99.1 uh, FM radio station one morning, and I was supposed to actually be uh, going over a case concerning the disappearance of uh, Dennis Lloyd Martin in uh, 1969, and for some reason uh, you had forwarded me that information the night before. And prior to the show, we, myself and uh, Chaz were talking about, you know, this this cult. And <clears throat> what had happened was uh, Dennis Lloyd Martin hadn't got mentioned. And we knew uh, that, you know, all the information that was being put out was about the cult. And it also had mentioned, um, you know, the information you had provided me. Um, you know, and... Whoever says Big Brother isn't listening uh, doesn't know what they're talking about because after I opened my big mouth, um, there was within two weeks uh, two arrests made. So, um, <clears throat> you know, that that's, and you know, that is really how um, when private, private citizens, you know, uh, private detectives, uh, cold case writers, researchers, when they provide information to the police, <clears throat> you know, it usually uh, expedites the un an investigation. However, here's the problem which I, I found with uh, police departments. They don't like help from anybody else but their own. And I'll give you a couple uh, good samples of that. I um, have been working on about three cases, uh, early 70 cases, and I had actually gotten a uh, uh, an actual statement from an individual that was in a uh, in an apartment at the time of a homicide in Vernon, Connecticut. And this gentleman was able to provide me with detailed information, uh, give me information that was never known about the site before. Uh, the homicide uh, site and uh, the scene and uh, basically identified the uh, killer. Well, I typed it up in a, you know, about an eight-page report. I sent it to uh, 
the Connecticut State Police who <coughs> seem <coughs> excuse me, to care less about it. Uh, a copy of the book with the stuff in it was sent to Vernon Police Department. Uh, they seem to care little or nothing about it. Um, although the victim was eventually found uh, years later, uh, it still questions brings to question why there was not a follow-up by either the Connecticut State Police or the Vernon Police Department. So, you know, that, that's, the, that's the issue uh, that I find a lot of times, no matter how good your information is, um, and you just give it to the police department, uh, they, they won't do nothing with it. I don't know whether, I, I believe it's more egotistical than rational, believe it or not. Um, it's the same way with the Dorian Vincent case. Uh, there's a podcast out, uh, it's called Squeaky Beaks, and there was another one out prior to that. Um, it was a podcast done by uh, two lawyers, and the first one I think was done by one or two lawyers and, and some other individual uh, concerning the Dorian Vincent case that was going on in Wallingford, Connecticut in 88. Uh, they had uh, found so much information that Howard and Russ wasn't made by now uh, is really ridiculous. I mean, it's 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 totally absurd. I mean, um, these people are doing whatever they can to shield the case because they don't want anybody to, you know, for whatever reason. Um, my my thought is just like other cases, uh, they just don't want the police. Uh, the police, unless they saw the department, unless they solve it themselves, they re they really don't. Uh, they really don't care about anybody's information, which is kind of sad. That's why I say if you get information uh, on any crimes or stuff like that, forward it to me. I usually have a, a way of getting it through those uh, the red tape so it gets directly to where it needs to go. And just to answer your uh, last question, yes, I do know who you're talking about. Uh, about the uh, the individual who uh, claims to be a crime expert, I, I don't know what that term exactly means, but I I guess he's labeling himself an expert in crime, which is okay, I guess. Um, to my knowledge, he has never solved a crime, never been part of a investigative uh, part of an actual investigation. He may have researched and looked into, but. Uh, an active investigation uh, is a little different than uh, just just researching information and putting it in a chronological order. Uh, him and I have had disputes about certain things uh, in the past, uh, you know, and quite honestly, I, I feel like when I talk to him, I am definitely talking to a civilian not everybody in law enforcement because of the methods and technology that or technologies that they try to try to employ while they're investigating are just um, not productive so but to answer your question again an investigation is an individual or individuals putting together uh, collaborating information and evidence to identify or link a suspect or suspects to a particular crime. A tip is something that just helps an individual, police officers, detectives link an individual or individuals to a crime. Um, 
It could be physical evidence that was found. It could be uh, knowledge of a crime. It could be, um, <clears throat> you know, statements, whatever it, that might be. Uh, so that's that's the difference. Um, you know, like I, I always encourage people, if you do have that type of information where you are aware of a person of interest in something like a homicide, rape, murder, uh, disappearance, um, either to contact your police department or throw myself uh, or Terry Sutton an, uh, an email. You can catch me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. You can, you can send it through Twitter. You can send it through my LinkedIn account under Michael C. Bouchard. Um, you can send it through uh, Anchor Radio, I believe, has a messaging system. Uh, most of my messaging I get through uh, my online uh, email address. So, but with that being said, I hope that answered your question. This is episode 175 of the Night Stalker podcast, uh, season two.